0: Hi, I'm Michael Stiddle. And I'm Nick Nanos. And welcome to Trendline. Today's show is about anxiety. COVID-19 is now a pandemic. Markets are in bear territory. And oil prices may have derailed Alberta's budget. Uh, Nick, let's start with the economic anxiety. Tell us about the Bloomberg Nanos Canadian Confidence Index.
1: You know, we track uh, with Bloomberg News, Nanos tracks the mood of the Canadian economy at least from a consumer perspective and you know the interesting thing in the survey that we just released earlier this week that uh, tracks it on a weekly basis Canadians and this is before I'll say the I don't, I don't know if, I'm not even sure if the blockbuster is the right word because there's like mm-hmm. blockbuster news almost like every day this week but yeah. uh, before the news of uh, Trump's travel ban with Europe but before that we asked Canadians whether they thought that the economy in the next six months would be stronger, weaker. People are three times more likely to think that the economy will get weaker. And that is up over the last four weeks, up about 12 percentage points. So there's oh my a gosh. significant number of Canadians that uh, think the economy will get weaker. If we kind of port over to what I'll say the Pacific-facing part of uh, Canada, British Columbia, and the Prairie Provinces – those, uh, those regions and those parts of the country that are in the West are much more likely to be pessimistic about the future strength of the Canadian economy. They have the highest level of anxiety. And they've had, I'm not even going to call it a one-two punch. It's like multiple punches, right? The coronavirus, mm. the blockades, the price of oil. All of those things are uh, rolling up to uh, create a significant level of an anxiety.
0: So, Nick, uh, Alberta just released its budget uh, last month. And then, as you just uh, referenced, Saudi, Saudi Arabia and Russia got into an oil price war. Uh, Alberta Premier Jason Kenney on March 9th co- said that the province is in uncharted territory. How, how is this going to impact things?
1: Well, I don't think it's going to help, but, and it's not going to help at all. You know, I was, I was actually in Alberta at a gathering at the University of Calgary the day the provincial budget was put out. And uh, Mm. it was pretty clear that uh, the provincial government was bracing itself and trying to manage what it expected to be a very tough time provincially when it comes to the economy. And, you know, since then, it's gotten worse. You know, if things were bad before, this, uh, I'll call it this new war on the price of oil uh, between kind of major producers, just is not good news for Canada because what we're seeing is the price of oil being driven down and uh, making a lot of projects less attractive, and uh, putting basically a wet blanket on uh, on the resource uh, sector in, in in Western Canada. So think of it this way: you know, if, if Albertans were angry and disenchanted two weeks ago, a month ago, uh, looking at the news now, uh, when it comes to the coronavirus, the blockades, and now, you know, the the price of oil dropping, uh, it's just it just makes for a toxic cocktail of anxiety, when you when mm. it's just Canadians get hammered on a number of fronts.
0: Now this seems to be actually kind of showing cracks in our very democracy. You had a uh, you wrote a piece in the Globe and Mail about joyless prosperity uh, and how uh, our fir- our first pa- uh, pardon me and how our first past the post system kind of results in, in a party that might get a plurality of seats, but not uh, not very much in popular support. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that, Nick?
1: Yeah, yeah. Just put this into context. So let's think of it this way. For all of our listeners, you know, if, if we were to do a poll at, poll right now, I'd say, uh, you know, on election night, do you yell at the television set? And then usually a majority, a majority would always put up their hands. And I'd say, mm-hmm. because in the first-past-the-post system, you know, a government can win with, much less than fifty percent support and uh, you know even in the big liberal win, they won with about thirty nine percent support in the latest uh... in the latest election they won in with support in the low thirties and what it means is that the majority of canadians are disappointed in the outcome because they voted for a party other than the one that that has won the greatest number of seats in our house of commons and you know the thing is is that when we uh... in the past when we'd ask Canadians from different parts of the country, what they feel about or the emotions that they feel that come to mind when they think of the government in Ottawa, not the Liberals, just the government in Ottawa. The mm-hmm. top two responses are anger and pessimism. And, you know, that anger score I think is about in the mid twenties nationally. In Alberta, that anger score is between forty and fifty percent when they wow. think of the government in Ottawa. So let's set us let's take Justin Trudeau and the Liberals out of the equation. But, you know, there are many Canadians, especially in the Prairie Provinces, that just when they think of the government of Ottawa, they're, why don't we just say, not thinking pleasant thoughts uh, when it comes to uh, our, our national government.
0: So, Nick, I'm going to quote you. Uh, this is what you wrote in, in your piece. One should not confuse the disappointment of a majority of Canadians after a particular campaign outcome with Canada's democracy being dysfunctional. Uh, so we are having things like the Buffalo Declaration now where it's, it feels like uh, feelings towards separation even are reaching a fever pitch. If you're the federal government, what can you do to sort of uh, uh, make sure that you represent everyone in this country?
1: Well, you know, I think when we look at things like the Buffalo Declaration, I see that as a symptom that things need to change in the Federation. You know, I'm not sure whether we need to jump to the conclusion that if you live in Saskatchewan, Alberta, or Manitoba, that you want to separate. But it's a signal that the the Federation is not working as well as it could and as well as many Canadians would expect. And, uh, and I think politicians of all stripes and from all parts of the country should take note. I think this would should be precipitating some kind of discussion on how the Federation can be renewed you know not about different parts of the country breaking up or the country breaking up or separation but just how can the Federation be improved in order for it to work better and uh, I think uh, for the federal government that should be the key message when it comes to Western alienation and anger the Buffalo Declaration that uh, this is a time that we need to engage Canadians across the country and have a real talk about how the federation can be improved in order for a greater number of Canadians to be satisfied with the functioning and the relationship, especially between the federal government and provincial governments.
0: Now, this uh, brings us to the upcoming federal, federal budget, which has been set for March 30th by uh, Federal Finance Minister Bill Marnot. Uh, what do you expect to see in there that, that might uh, help Alberta and Saskatchewan?
1: Well, uh, first of all, uh, can I can I speak as a numbers guy first? Is that okay? Yes,
0: please. <laughs> so
1: my heart goes out to those to the team at the Department of Finances that is a res, that is in charge of trying to model out government revenue in mm. order to do projections. <laughs> because you know we talked in one of our previous podcasts. You know, we talked about needing to kind of change revenue projections because of yep. the uh, because of the blockades by indigenous peoples, yep. and since then we have two other kind of fundamentals that require those folks to rebase and recrunch the numbers on their projections for government revenue. One is the price of uh, of oil. Uh, which is one of the inputs in terms of trying to figure out where the economy is going. And the other one is the coronavirus because basically right now we're in uncharted territory when it comes to what might be the actual impact uh, on consumer spending and consumer behavior and travel and hospitality. Um, So I think, uh, so heart goes out to all those folks who are crunching numbers at the Ministry of Finance. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think this budget is now going to be a budget uh, of how do we manage uncertainty and how do we buffer and brace ourselves uh, for a recession so right now I don't think it's just going to be about what can the federal government do to help Alberta I think now it's going to be what is the federal government what role is it going to take on uh, from a, mm. a fiscal and tax perspective to help get through the coronavirus, because what Canadians are seeing in other countries uh, is a very proactive, uh, very proactive central approach to trying to buffer uh, national economies. Uh, you know, you look at it- mm. Italy, for example, extending credit and uh, trying to work out uh, what this might mean for people working at home and what it might mean for uh, businesses that might need short-term bridge financing. We have Donald Trump, uh, you know, in introducing his travel ban uh, for people from Europe coming to America. So, you know, I think right now when we're looking at the budget, it's all going to be about the coronavirus and uh, what Canada is doing to prepare for that, because right now we don't know how good, mild or not mild uh, or bad. Um, the mm-hmm. coronavirus outbreak will be in Canada. And I don't think we're probably going to know for, for a couple of weeks whether there's any significant uh, outbreak here uh, compared to what we've seen in other countries. And right now, you know, I think uh, Italy has a kind of a country lockdown. My understanding is that Denmark now has a country lockdown, and these are, com- these are absolutely unprecedented. And no one knows. No one's ever shut down a country uh, for a couple weeks, in order for people to to not get infected and what that might mean for that country's gross domestic product and economy.
0: And Health, Min- Health Minister uh, Paddy heydu this week suggested that between 30 to 70% of Canadians may eventually become infected with coronavirus, which is terrifying.
1: It's terrifying, but we one thing that we have to keep in mind is that uh, my understanding, kind of having listened to some of the experts, is that... Eighty percent of the cases are actually quite mild and don't require mm-hmm. any type of hospitalization. So we shouldn't be getting into a black plague-like uh, panic over this. But very this true. To, very this, true. But this speaks to how many people this might reach, and uh, and you know I think that's that's the key takeaway here.
0: And I should plug our website too. We have a special page devoted to uh, the coronavirus coverage. Uh, with CTV National News medical correspondent Avis Favreau leading the charge on that. Um, Nick, we always kind of throw it to you now for future predictions. Uh, so w- what do you see in your uh, crystal ball?
1: Oh, my crystal ball right now is Canadians are, you know, bracing themselves for a series of punches, right? A punch related to, you know, it's kind of like the gut punch, a gut punch on the <laughs> coronavirus and will I get it? Uh, will someone else, Will someone uh, important or someone in, so a loved one get it? Uh, will even if I don't get the coronavirus, will that affect my work? Uh, will there be a day where I might have to work from home uh, because of uh, because of uh, workplace safety issues? And uh, and then again, what will this mean for the economy? And how how can I pay my bills? Can I get uh, essentials? So uh, I think right now. Uh, The fact of the matter is, is that uh, Canadians are probably bracing themselves for a series of punches, psychological, medical, economic, or otherwise. The good news is, is that right now things seem okay. So, but Mm -hmm. it's too early to tell what might happen.
0: Nick, thanks very much. I'm glad that you ended this on a positive note.
1: That's quasi positive, Michael. Quasi. (laughs)
0: I'll I'll (laughs) take whatever I can get. (laughs) Well, Nick, thanks again. And how can we find you?
1: Best way to find me on Twitter, at NIKNanos, or on the web at www.nanos.co.
0: And I'm also on Twitter, at Michael Siddle. And also, for all our news, you can go to ctvnews.ca. And once again, thanks for listening. This show is produced by Trevor Correll, Jesse Taharali, and Phil Hahn. Our executive producer is Liz Travers. Sound editing was done by Jesse Tahirali, and this show is hosted by Nick Nanos and myself, Michael Stittle. Thanks again for listening.